This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. I will say this about investing. Everything you do learn is cumulative. What I learned at 20 is you Welcome to another episode of Equity Mates, a podcast that follows our journey of investing. Whether you're an absolute beginner or approaching Warren Buffett status, our aim is to help break down your barriers from beginning to dividend. My name is Bryce, and as always, I'm joined by my equity buddy, Ren. How are you? I'm very good, Bryce. Very excited. We are here for part two of our Value Investor three-part series with Owen. We are still in in our away kit. We are still We're in still our wearing kit. our party shirts. I'm actually getting kind of jealous of yours. And I'm actually getting kind of curious to taste fairy bread again. <laughs> if you're not watching on YouTube, that makes no sense. <laughs> yeah, so today we're going to... Well, firstly, welcome back, Owen Raskovich. Thanks, guys. Appreciate uh, it. So Rask Australia and Equity Mates, if you're just joining us, uh, have... Uh, have done a, a value investor program or a course that is available on the Equity Mates and Rask website, all about valuing valuing a business. If you're interested in enrolling, details are in the show notes below, but there is a special discount code that you can use to get $100 off the course for a limited time. Uh, details are in the show notes. The code is MATES, M-A-T-E-S, to get $100 off the course. As always, details are in the show notes, as I said, but you can use that $100 saving to go towards the investment or one of the stocks that you actually look at in the VIP program. Today, we are going to put the theory into practice with a valuation of zero. Mm-hmm. We recognize that doing a valuation model involves a lot of spreadsheets and we are doing a podcast. So we're going to keep it pretty high level um, and there is going to be a video accompanying this on YouTube if you want to see what's going on on Owen's screen. And if you want to get even more in-depth, you can go to the Value Investor Program where Owen walks you through valuations, including of zero. Yes, yeah, yes. zero's in there. There's a, about five companies in there, all very different, so you get a mix of everything. 
So today we're just going to start with the origin story of Zero. have a chat about the business model, take a look at their management team, which is an important concept, chat about financials, and then hopefully get to some sort of evaluation at the end. Yeah. Oh, we'll, we'll get a number out of you, Alan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll give you a number for sure. For sure. So... Um, Zero. It's an accounting software. Mm. And for people who are unfamiliar, it's it's not Z E R O, it's X E R O. X E R O. Yeah. The ticker is X R O. Yep. Yes. On the ASX. <laughs> do you guys ASX. use Zero? We do. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. your business uses this tool, our business uses it. There's actually five businesses outside of the studio in our same office here. They all use Zero. Mm. And uh, so what does Zero do? Well, it creates software that's used by accountants to manage small businesses. But as you guys know, you probably don't really need an accountant to do 99% of the things because the software takes care of it. Mm. And that's what's truly powerful about this software. You just access it through your browser. It costs it's starting at about 50 to 60 bucks a month, depending where in the world you are. And you just connect it to your bank account and it reads the bank statements, sees where money is going, coming from, et cetera, and presto. So where did it actually start? So it didn't start this simple. It actually started um, in New Zealand which is where its head office still is, which is fantastic. I think every great Australian technology business starts in New Zealand and uh, it ends up in Australia on the ASX, which is wonderful. Um, so thanks for that, uh, our friends across the pond. What are you saying about Zip and Afterpay? Well, yeah, maybe this great is a Kiwi Australian, Great Australian tech business. <laughs> no, but the, uh, like the, the, the Kiwi uh, startup scene definitely punches above its yeah, weight in a it's huge epic, yeah. way. So um, must be that fiber optic cable they got. But um, yeah, it's it's a it's an incredible business because it started in around about 2007. And I think it was originally called Accounting 2.0. But basically the idea was that, <laughs> yeah, well, I guess it's just a play on the web, right? Because we were in 2007. You, like, I'm, I'm assuming the three of us are just old enough to remember that the, the internet had just transitioned from you can only read what's on the screen to you can actually put stuff in and get things out of a, of a website. And so this is this is basically like the emergence of like cloud computing as we know it today, like sending a message across the internet and getting some sort of reply through a browser. And the the the, the businesses that had gone before this, like Salesforce, uh, that was the pioneer of this idea called SaaS, which is where you can sell a, a software product through the internet on a subscription. And Zero, in particular, Rod Drury saw Let, this. Let's not let's not discount the true pioneers of that. The good Australian company that didn't come out of New Zealand, Atlassian. Atlassian, yeah, absolutely. So, and they pioneered not just that, but they also pioneered how to grow an incredibly lean business profitably. Um, insane. So, um, yeah, Atlassian unfortunately doesn't trade on the ASX, but it trades uh, in the US under the ticker symbol Team. If you want to remember that mm. one. Um, but zero is this this was this idea that you could access accounting software from anywhere and the key thing to understand is what happens behind the scene when you uh, traditionally use software like say remember microsoft office used to come on a disk yeah. Yeah. and you'd have to buy a new one every year and you'd have to put in like a code and it would install and blah blah mm, blah yeah. well that's what accounting software was up until only like 2 or 3 years ago really um, so this was 2007 and they were like well we don't want to do that we just want to deliver one version via the internet. And if you have a subscription, you get it. If you don't pay your subscription, you don't get it. And they did that. And um, that was revolutionary because it basically meant that you could access servers and internet from anywhere. Um, and you don't need a disk. You don't need a, 10 different versions of MYOB. For those who don't know, MYOB was the mm. big gorilla yeah. here in Australia. Yeah. What's interesting is the founder of MYOB was actually one of the earliest investors in Zero, and actually took a board seat and wanted to effectively buy the whole buy company. Yeah. But 
Rod Drewy, who's the founder of Zero, said, no, 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 no. I want this thing, (laughs) you know, and it's an incredible business listed on the New Zealand Stock Exchange, then came across to Australia, consolidated the the New Zealand into Australia. Um, And Rod Drewy stepped back a few years ago and a guy from who has a pretty rich um, backstory named Steve Vamos from Microsoft and Apple came across and became CEO. Uh, And we can get to management in a second, but the basic genesis of the business over time has made a couple of small acquisitions, but mostly organic growth. It's been unprofitable basically the entire time. And the acquisitions that it has made has not changed the backbone necessarily of the software. What it's done is it's just added important features. So one of the things that I mentioned before was the ability to read a bank statement. They actually bought the company that would, was doing that for zero um, to to bolster that out to make sure that it wasn't able to you know disappear overnight to a competitor mm. or something like that. Mm. Uh, and then they they've made a few other things like they've uh, bought Plan Day and a few other businesses that do like HR administration and those types of things. In terms of a business that is bold and has redefined what technology can do from Australia and New Zealand, and then in the UK, incredible zero is kind of like the poster child for that. Mm. Mm. So that's the origin story, and you've mentioned subscriptions there a number of times. So, what are, at its core, what is the business model for Zero? And um, you mentioned competitive advantages as well. So, where, how is it building its competitive advantage? Yeah, so it's it's a very now that we look at it today, like everything's beautiful in hindsight and so obvious. Um, you can actually see if you look in the financial statements that the business's revenue is just growing rapidly. Like this is the sales like from those subscriptions. And the reason it is doing that is because when you take a subscription, as you guys know with Zero, you get locked in basically because you don't want to give up the software. So it's super sticky. And you can only you can only have a successful subscription business if the thing that you're selling is sticky. Because what happens is instead of taking, instead of spending like a thousand dollars on that's an extreme example, but imagine you spent a thousand dollars on Microsoft Office today, right? Versus just paying ten bucks a month, right? You're foregoing a huge upfront cash flow um, in exchange for a very small fee ongoing. So it takes years for all of those subscribers to stack and layer on top and on top and top and top. And that's the basic business model: is get them in the door with a low price subscription that they'll pay again and again and again and again. And then all of a sudden you go from having 10,000 subscribers, 100,000, a million, you know, 3 million. And that's when you really see that revenue just rocket straight up, like that inflection, that exponential growth. And so that's the basic model of, of Zero is trying to get more and more subscribers into the ecosystem with discounting, um, with like sales tactics, like expos with accountants. I think the best business models, uh, one of the best business models is when the person who pays the bill is not the person um, who's like facilitating the sale. So what I mean by that is an accountant is the one that sells the software. Uh, you don't go and necessarily get it off the shelf. So you get recommended it, but the accountant doesn't pay, you pay. And this is like, um, if you guys are familiar with uh, Burson Auto Parts here in, here in Australia or Batcore, it's on the ASX and you'll see Burson stores around. And Burson, what it is, is it's like automotive parts But if you think when you go to a mechanic, you don't care where it comes from, you just pay the bill. So for for business like Burson, when you go and you take your car down to the mechanic, the mechanic recommends, yeah, we need, you know, a crankshaft. I don't even know parts, but let's be honest, Uh, you know, you need brake pads and all that sort of stuff. They go to Burson and get it. So you're paying Burson without realizing because the professionals recommended it. So you don't, you would never question it. It's the same model with zero, but it's a software for accounting. And that's the, that's the model. Um, and the reason people hate the business model, if I could just quickly touch on that, is the business is not profitable. 
So what I mean by that, if you look at the income statement, you go down and you see that line that says net profit after tax, it's a big negative in there. Um, and at the end of the day, the reason that that is negative is because they're investing so much for the growth to get that revenue. Mm. Hmm. So the switching costs are high. I couldn't imagine trying to switch to an MYOB or a QuickBooks or something like that now that we've got a couple of years worth of data in zero and that's what locks us in and that's what makes us wear price hikes if they come and that's what makes it easy for them to cross sell you know the next bit of software and the next bit of software after that when Bryce mm. has a full team under him that he's trying to schedule and stuff like that <laughs> makes sense to just do it in zero because we're already there yep. so that's that's the competitive advantage that's the moat mm. before we talk about competitors let's just stay focused on zero you said it's not profitable but it is growing. Mm. Give us a sense of the top line growth, the revenue growth. Yeah, sure. In 2017, revenue was $295 million. By 2022, it was $1.1 billion. So it's expanding rapidly. And to your point about you know, a business that can increase prices, if you think about Netflix, you know, 100 million subscribers. 220 million. Two, yeah. I was going to use round numbers. If you have 100 million subscribers, right, and you, you, you charge, say, again, round figures, you, you're charging, say, 15 bucks or whatever. If you increase the price by $1 a month, it's $100 million every month. And then you times it by 12, you know, you've got a business that just got free money. Hmm. And so that's exactly what can happen with zero. Over the last, say, five to 10 years, that has not been the game. The game has not been increasing prices. The game has been getting people in the door. And the way that's reflected in the financials is you see this thing called customer acquisition cost or CAC for short, C-A-C. And you see that all the time. And they, they're very upfront about how much it costs to acquire someone. And that's it, it's a very transparent way to illustrate the business model. And um, what we will see as the business grows is we'll see that CAC probably increase because the the harder customers, the ones that are really resistant to change, they are harder to convince and they cost more money to convince. So what we'll see that probably go up, but what we'll probably see to your point, Ren, is the value from each sub subscriber go up because they'll start increasing prices. Mm. And that's where you get this really interesting dynamic of they won't spend as much on acquiring and they're getting more from the existing subscribers. So the profitability just explodes. And that's what we call an inflection point. And that, for the most part, is, is zero's jam. That's where it is now. It's still in this process of like, you know, over 3 million subscribers, probably, you know, a few more million that could come onto the platform pretty quickly over the next five years. But then after that, it's, or even until then, it's just, let's, how much can we increase the prices? And, you know, even just most recently, uh, the most recent results from zero illustrated how powerful it is. You know, increasing prices just modestly, not just even through the subscription, but they also charge developers to build in their app store, mm. just like Apple does, which we'll profile in a minute. And that's another way where it can just slowly jack up prices. Mm. Yeah. All right, Owen, let's pause there and take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. 
We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. So we're, we're here to understand the valuation of zero, and we've, we've spoken about a couple of key metrics here subscribing numbers, prices, you know, Ren's spoken about revenue growth. If you can now, I guess, clearly sort of take us through the process that you would go through to try and get to a valuation for zero, knowing that it's not profitable. Yep. So some of the valuation methods aren't going to work. Uh, how do you, and what are the assumptions that you're looking at to create a valuation? Yeah, sure. So there this is the simplest way to model any type of subscription business is the number of subscribers multiplied by how much they pay you gives you revenue, right? Because it's like customer numbers multiplied by how much did they pay gives you the sales, right? It's pretty straightforward. So then all we need to do is we need to have a sense of how fast subscribers can grow, like how big can it get in each market, which they tell us they have an estimate of like 4 million potential customers in Canada, for example. And these are just small businesses. And then you go, okay, well, how much can they charge? At the moment, you'll see in Australia, there's it's about 50 to 60 bucks, but it scales depending on the number of employees and if you get add-ons and blah, 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 blah. But if you think about that, like what you can see is you can see like different pricing levels over time as well. So you would expect that uh, as businesses grow, they start to pay more. Um, and then even though it's not profitable, we can start to just from those two numbers, we can start to get a sense of the value because we know how much revenue it's got, how much it's making in sales. And so we could say, you know, price to sales ratio, if you want to go down that path, because it's still growing, you could say, I don't know the exact number off the top of my head, but say zero is like 10 times sales, as in the, the company's worth, according to the market price, 10 times the annual sales of the business. But you could say, well, I think it's going to grow sales, you know, further. And I think 10 times is a reasonable price to pay. Then you've no, that's probably going to go up in time. What I do is I take the the number of subscribers multiplied by the price, and then I just feed that straight into my own income statement. So just like you would see in their annual report, I just put this extra step on top of it, if you like, where I'm just trying to predict what might happen in the future. So you've got total subscribers, and I do have it on the video version, but total subscribers. And then I look at, well, how big can they grow in those marketplaces, like uh, the Canada, uh, UK, Australia? And then I basically just get to that revenue line and I make some assumptions about the profit margins. Then from there, you just do a profit margin and you get down to cash flow. So we're not going to talk through the details of the spreadsheet because yeah. that probably doesn't translate over audio, but let's just ask some questions to unpack sort of how you think this business goes into the future because as we spoke about on the last episode, the real, where the rubber hits the road, where the best valuers are separated from the average valuers, isn't in their ability to build a spreadsheet. It's in their ability to accurately assess a business's prospects. Mm. So, first question, when does Zero become profitable? I'd say in the next two years. 
Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we're recording. We're recording this late 2022, but it airs in 2023. Um, I would say before 2025, it will be profitable. And, okay. And you can actually. This is interesting, Ren. So this is. I initially bought this a long time ago. This, these shares in this company, and my assumption at the time was this: if Zero wanted to, it could cut its marketing budget in half and be instantly profitable. And that was something that you don't need necessarily to model. You can just be like. They're spending like 300 million marketing. Yeah, you can look at that in the current income statement. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you can be like, do they need all that? No, but do you want them to do it? Yes, because then that means if that's getting growth for the future, more subscribers, you would want them to spend. Mm. And so what's the assumptions in that next two years that lead to it becoming profitable? The, the key metric, so remember how I said before, you got the number of subscribers multiplied Ooh. by how much they pay. So I am baking in a bit of expansion in the, the average revenue per user, so the average subscriber, basically what they pay. And so for me, that's looking like, I've got it up to around about $35. If you look at just a per quick- Per user? Hmm? Per user? Yeah, so so the thing is they don't collect all of it. We're paying like 70, I think. Yeah, so they don't collect all of it. So uh, what can happen is um, the accountants can take a clip as it goes through, and this is a blended rate. Is our accountant taking a clip? Hell no. <laughs> no it's not, it's, it, if it is, it's not much. It's not, it's not normally that much. So they're probably not doing you dirty. Um, but if you think about it, like, do you guys use Zero to pay Super as well? Yeah. Yeah. So we do that as well. Uh, you can also have like the HR plugins and they're like little add-ons. It's like $1 or $2 per employee and that sort of stuff. And so more and more, like you guys said, you've, you've kind of like put your, your flag in the ground. I'm, in, I'm with Zero, not NYAB, not Intuit, whatever. You're going to eventually probably use that stuff because it'll be easier. And... Um, so for me, um, th- th- there's just one really nerdy thing I want to make clear is when Zero publishes its number for what it earns per user, average revenue per user, that's based on the last month, right? So if you look at this financial statement uh, at the end of the year and there's that number in there, that won't match up with your income statement because they're taking the last month and saying, our average revenue per user is this. But that doesn't show you what happened nine, uh, nine months ago, for example. Mm-hmm. All right, let's uh, rip through a few of the key assumptions because I think that's the point that we want to get to. It's that the process of forecasting the future is a process of building assumptions yep. and the best modelers are right about more of their assumptions and they're wrong. So what's its revenue looking like in 2025? In 2025, you're looking at about, and I'll just quickly jump to my spreadsheet, you're looking at about $1.7, $1.8 billion. Okay, so $1.2 today, did you say? Yeah. Yeah, so not unreasonable assumptions you would say there. How far out do you model this? I would go to, well, in the current model, I've got 2032. Oh, wow. Yeah, so this is a 10-year model. And do you want me to tell you why real quick? Yeah, please. Yeah, so when you model a hyper-growth company, you cannot use a three- to five-year model because what happens is when you get to the end of the five-year, you just there's like a cliff Mm. and it just goes into like infinity. Um, So you have to model it through the hyper growth because if you don't, you're going to miss out on the ability to have that insight over the five to 10 year window. And that's where you'll see a lot of this price inflection. So what does 32 look like? Well, 32, (laughs) it's it's pushing $3 billion. Now, this is my- $3 billion in revenue. Yeah. This is my base case. I want to be clear about this. This is not like a super outlandish thing, I don't think. I've actually modeled the company to be approximately the share price today. Why did I do that? Well, it doesn't. It's not me trying to guess. It's me trying to say, what does the market think? Yeah, yeah. So f- to be clear, there, you've built your 
assumption and that gets to your number of what the share price should be based on your 10-year model and we'll ask you what that share price should be but we'll put yeah, it yeah. in that and then you've also done a se- separate model which is not building on your assumptions but taking the share price as it is and then putting what the market is assuming to get to that share price yeah, yeah. and that could still be wrong like the, there's no, no the market is often wrong. yeah it can yeah. be often wrong right now hold on. Let's let's. Uh, so 2032, you're at three billion dollars in revenue. What's your average revenue per user? I've still got it around. It's actually at 36 dollars. So it's not that much higher. Now this is what I'm saying. Like if you think about that, there's a lot of scope. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you said it's got about three million users today. How many users does it have in 2032? Uh, it will have approximately seven mil. Okay. So it's, okay. So it's a bit more than doubled in size in the next ten years. Yeah. And then finally, how profitable is it in twenty thirty two? It's not. Uh, uh, so, <laughs> sorry, let me just let me just scoot down here. So we're looking closer to a billion dollars um, in profit. Okay, so it's wow. got like a thirty uh, third profit margins. margin. Yeah, yeah. So and that's what that's pretty aggressive, right? In terms of the profitability. But what I've done is I've basically taken, like I said, that marketing, and I actually think marketing will fall, and that's probably the key risk in the modeling is I actually think marketing will fall. Now that if you if you take that in light of um, competition, maybe that doesn't happen. So this is again the art form with the science, but um, that's where you get the inflection point. So just from uh, taking the theory of a discounted cash flow and applying it to what you've got today, you've got profitable in 2025 and then you've got it's growing its profit from I assume pretty minuscule in 2025 to a billion dollars in 2032. And so the task for you as uh, the valuer is to say its profits stream in those seven years might total a couple of billion dollars all up if you add those seven years together. But I want to know what I'm paying for that future profit today. And so that's why you do a discounted cash flow because the value of a dollar today is worth more than a value of the dollar tomorrow Mm -hmm. and the value of a dollar in 2025 is worth more than the value of a dollar in 2032 and the discounted cash flow is just the method to actually calculate what the value of each of those dollars are and what you should be willing to pay for to pay for them today relative to the rate of return that you want to get yeah and this is you actually introduce a real key thing that happens in most models where they go wrong which is this idea of like the future value is how do we get that back to today, right? And this is what we call the discount rate. Um, so the discount rate, there's some fancy maths around it. It's really kind of pointless though because um, the, you can think of the discount rate as my expected return, right? So the ex- what, what return do I require from an investment in order to make the investment? So if, if I think zero is really risky, well, I want to have a higher discount rate because I'm like, I'm taking more risk. So give me more of an expected return. Um, and so for this model in just in this uh, video, I've actually kept it really simple. It's just 10%. So I expect 10%. Now, there are many different schools of thought on this, which we probably don't have time to go into. But for me, I think Zero is one of the highest quality businesses in Australia. So I just think the quality of the business, its products, its services is really up there. And so what in theory, if you think something's like a really good business, wouldn't that mean that it's lower risk, right? But if you punch that into a model, you're going to your upside is huge. So I tend to be conservative in that approach, mm. um, and just say, what do I need to basically justify an investment at today's prices? And then all of that other stuff is like, you know, that's just 
make it rain. Like that's that's great. Um, that's upside that I, I'm basically not assuming. Mm. But there are plenty of risks and there are plenty of ways that this can go wrong. So before we close out and get to, to the price, a lot of the assumptions that you've put in around user growth, growth of uh, sort of price per user, revenue per user, cost base, cost base, marketing. Yeah. They're all um, assumptions that you've sort of come up with, but what, what's the flip side? Like what could go wrong here and what are the risks that you consider with um, with those key assumptions? Yeah, these things can change really quickly. And the big one is like I'm making assumptions that are probably not what will actually happen. And so what I mean by that is, you know how I said like I expect marketing to fall? That's my belief that it should. It should because it will get more profitable if it does that. But the management team at the time could be like, no, we're going to try this other crazy idea. And so management is always a massive uncertainty when you're modeling so far out. And in the last year, Zero has got substantially, I would say, riskier when you look forward because we've seen some changes. I said Steve Vamos um, announced he's stepping down in late 2022. Uh, he'll be stepping down in 2023. Uh, he's being replaced by a CEO that has a lot of experience in in the US. Now, they've also got a chair who uh, oversees the CEO role and the executive team and the board of directors. And the chair is David Thoday at the time of recording. Uh, he has experience with Telstra, you may mm. remember, and also Tyro Payments. Um, and what I do is I study all of those people when I go back and look at how they've performed in the past. And my, my, my I guess my just broad strokes, my view is that they tend to be quite aggressive in spending. Um, that would be my, like, from just looking roughly at their track record. And so if you think about that, that's not the, necessarily the best way to make a profitable business. It might grow at the revenue line, but does it grow at the cash flow? Maybe not. So that's a big risk. And the other thing which we haven't really touched on is just competition. So much competition coming and things can change rapidly in technology, mm. particularly in financial technology. And then finally, in the UK and Canada, the assumption is rapid growth. Uh, because those governments are making tax digital. So that means that they're forcing companies to report their taxes digitally, um, but that could be kicked further down the road if things get too hard. Yeah, now I want to hit on competition because I think that's probably the best illustration of where the assumptions in your model can really change based on what plays out in reality. So mm -hmm. the assumption in your model was in 2032, there will be 7 million users. Yep. Unless Australia has massive population growth or <laughs> Australia and New Zealand businesses just boom and we pump out like four more Atlassians, um, you, they're going to need to crack overseas. Yep. And they're looking at America. They've got an American CEO, but it's not like there aren't options in America. Intuit have QuickBooks. Uh, there's FreshBooks. There's a, a number of other strong competitors that have very similar business yep. models. So how do you... I guess first first part of the question is how did you get to the seven? Yeah. Second part of the question is how do you constantly stress test that assumption as more and more information is coming out? Well, it's it's actually um, it, it's a great great point, Ren. Um, so when we first created this model quite a few years ago, the best source for us was the the, the national government like databases. So in Australia, we know the ABS, Australian Bureau of Statistics, has business numbers. Um, in the US, there's like the, I think it's called the, the uh, what's it called? The Bureau for Business or something like this, uh, Federal Bureau for Business. And you can get the data from them. They publish it like every month. Uh, same in the UK. So you can get that. And you can also see what competitors are saying just to sense check it. So zero wouldn't serve Atlassian very well at all. If it, that, the, the Atlassian business would probably break if they tried to use zero because it's typically for businesses up to one to 200 employees. You don't really, then you go to something more. All right, forget end. four more Atlassians, 400 more equity mates. But yeah, yeah. 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 
yeah, yeah. So that's probably more more like it. Um, and so most of the growth from the business will come outside New Zealand. Definitely, that's already maturing. They they dominate that market end to end. Here in Australia, they basically dominate the market end to end. Now, um, the latest data shows that there's around nine hundred thousand subscribers in the UK. And now in, in North America, there's this bucket of North America. People think that that's the US because that's where they were trying and they still are, uh, as far as I know. But the big one there is Canada, where the tax system is much more like Australia. Whereas in the US, you have like each state has different HR and mm. tax rules, mm. which is super complicated. In my opinion, that is completely won and dominated by Intuit, which is the owner of QuickBooks. Mm. Um, but outside of that, Canada is a frontier where they can potentially win. Uh, with the right management. And you've got to think, like even in North America, they have 354,000 subscribers. So this would be like zero only a few years ago in Australia, mm. right? So this is not a small business in the US. Uh, it's more competitive for sure, but it's a it's another one. And then you look at smaller geographies, maybe like Singapore or South Africa, that's what they bucket as rest of world. And I don't really think about that in the modeling. Like it's just like, it's basically, you know, whatever comes, whatever comes. Mm. Um, but UK, definitely, this is like, I believe that it will be, it will be zero, Intuit, and then third spot way down is Sage. Um, in Canada, it'll probably be Intuit, zero, and then the others. That's probably the, the mix. Love it. Well, Owen, to close, I guess the big question is, what's the number? What's the, what's the valuation? <laughs> yeah. what, what are well, you What are you looking at in today's numbers? Well, at the time of recording, I do a range, so I never like don't want to be specific because people yep. then take it and they're like. Was two dollars undervalued, yeah, yeah, and they yeah. just make a lot of decisions around that. So my valuation is between seventy and eighty-five dollars. Um, that's down from where it was a few months ago because of that the change at the management level and some of the expenses growth. So that could change again, but between seventy and eighty-five dollars. Be careful if you're modeling it. It's that's my Australian dollar number. Yeah, it's it reports in New Zealand dollars. Yeah, and for context, time of recording, we're at basically the low end of that range. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So. It's probably in the money, but it's a high-quality business. Not advice. Do your own research. Do your own modeling. Yes. Yeah. Do your own uh, educating as well. The Value Investor Program with all of the information, the steps, the checklists, the theory behind everything that Owen has spoken about today is in the Value Investor Program. It's available on equitymates.com under our resources section. It's also available on the Rask website. It's value for money, that is for sure. And if you are interested in building your own models and understanding the, the ins and outs of valuation, getting under the hood of companies, then certainly recommend. If you'd like $100 off the course for a limited time, use the code MATES, M-A-T-E-S, and you will save. Those details, if you're on the run and don't have a pen handy, are all in the show notes below with a link to the course as well. So that's MATES for $100 off the VIP course, limited time only. You will not regret it. Next episode, we are going to be uh, unpacking the largest company in the world, and that is Apple. Ren, we'll pick it up next week. Largest publicly listed company. Largest in the publicly world. listed company <laughs> in the world. Apple. Sounds good. <laughs> we'll pick it up next week. Thanks, guys. You have been listening to an Equitymates Media production. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. This podcast is intended for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general advice only and has not taken into account your personal financial circumstances, needs or objectives. Before acting on general advice, you should consider if it is relevant to your needs and read the relevant product disclosure statement. And if you're unsure, please speak to a financial professional. 
The hosts of this podcast and their guests may have positions in the companies mentioned. Equitymates Media operates under an Australian Financial Services Licence 540697. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.